Hello, everyone. This is Tim Winders. Welcome once again to the Seek, Go, Create podcast. This is a special episode, kind of unique. We're going to be doing something different. We have uh, identified, I guess, some topics or some questions that people have had that we're going to attempt to cover in what we're going to call SGC Extra episodes, Seek, Go, Create Extra episodes. We believe they may be shorter, more topic-driven, and uh, they actually may be some of our shorter interviews that we're going to add. We're typically going to drop these, I believe, on Thursdays. That may change. But uh, it'll just give you an opportunity to connect with us in a different way, and we're excited about it. And today, I have a topic that we've had a lot of questions on, and I'm recording this in early part of 2020, and I've just finished doing some of our numbers and taxes and all those type things for 2019, and people have wanted to know what is it like to live and work in an RV. So the title of this episode, it's just going to be me. I'm going to share some information with you, is 12 months of living and working in an RV. And I'm just going to share some of the high points, maybe some of the low points, some of the places we went. And I'm, I'm going to cover some of the the numbers, the finances, because people always ask, how much does it cost? Do you have to be rich? You know, can you do it on next to nothing? And so I'm going to, I'm going to share some of that as we finish up uh, this episode to, uh, that we're recording right now. But listen, I just want to say that this was a very, it was a stretch for us. We, we never imagined ourselves living, working in an RV. We've been traveling since 2013. We consider ourselves nomads. And uh, we've told that story in earlier episodes. But but in uh, late December of 2018, we moved into our 2006 Gulfstream Sun Voyager. It's about a 39-foot Class A motorhome. We uh, picked it up during the summer of 2018. We bought it used, paid cash for it, got a great deal on it. Had about 21,000 miles, and we gutted it, made a lot of changes to it. And uh, then we moved into it towards the tail end of 2018. And then we started our journeys in 2019 in our uh, our RV that we named Theo, by the way. We've nicknamed him Theo. He's got a name. Uh, just a quick summary, just to kind of give an overview. During 2019, I did these calculations. We traveled right at 8,500 miles. So we were not on the road constantly. We visited 10 states. I'll kind of go through a, a brief overview of where we went shortly, but we visited 10 states, primarily in the western United States. We had 26 days that we were actually driving. I know a lot of people ask, oh, are you just on the road all the time driving? And I'll just be upfront. It's not super easy to drive a 40-foot vehicle. And and so we do not spend just massive amounts of, tri of driving. We actually like to get places and stay for a little while and experience them. We'll talk more about that in just a little while. We spent 345 nights in RV parks. And uh, there's a service that we love to use called Harvest Host, where we do what we call boondocking, where you don't hook up, you don't plug in, you don't have sewer, you don't have electrical or anything like that. We spent 11 nights doing that. And our longest stay was 87 nights. So that'll tell you that we sometimes get places and like to stay there. So that gives you a, a general overview 
of what our 2019 was like. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of cool stuff, and uh, some some things that I'll mention in just a little while that uh, are you know truth telling of things that might have not been quite as fun and and I think it's important to share that. Let me just kind of though go over where we went, kind of our journey throughout uh, the year, just to kind of give you an overview of all that we saw and what we experienced and. And, uh, and just, I guess, the journey along the way. So it started in late uh, December 2018. We were up in the little town of Woodland Park at the time, finishing up our time there, going to Bible school and, and just spending a little bit of time there. We were still doing travels while we were there, but we did have a small apartment that we had, we had used as kind of a... Um, a, a, a home base or a base, I guess. And so we moved our few things from the apartment into the RV Theo there, finished up a little bit of our work. And the, the interesting thing about it was that when we moved in, in December of 2018, the temperatures were dropping in Woodland Park, which is up in the mountains of Colorado. For those that do not know, it's 9,000 feet in places, 8,000 to 9,000 feet. The temperatures were dropping to below zero at night. We were going to move in, get our stuff piled in there, and then go down to Colorado Springs and stay for a few nights in an RV park there, just in Manitou Springs area. And it was some of the coldest weather they've had. It does get cold in Colorado, of course, in December and January, but it was actually very cold. And that was, I'll tell you right up front, that was not very... That was not very much fun just because cold weather and sometimes the RV life doesn't always mix well. We were trying to identify what was freezing, what was not freezing, what we needed to keep warm. And so so we were we were excited to begin moving away from Colorado, Colorado and move into hopefully warmer climates. So what we did was we headed south. And our destination, we were going to be traveling for a few days. We were, we were moving towards getting to Virgin, Utah, which is a little town just outside of Zion National Park in the southern, in the southern area of Utah. And Zion National Park, for those that have never been, is a stunning, beautiful national park that everyone needs to visit. And our plan was is that we were going to stay there January, February and just get used to being in the RV, be near Zion, and be able to experience some things in that area. And, uh, and we had a great time there. We were just learning. I, you know, I joked with people I couldn't spell RV when we bought one, and, and we were still learning what things we needed to monitor, how we could get Wi-Fi, how we could you know, do our work, and all of those things is what we were doing in Virgin, Utah. So we spent January, February, near Zion National Park in Virgin, Utah. And then from there, we realized that we were wanting to get to some warmer weather. And so we went from from that part of the country in Utah. We, we hadn't made the decision. We just, the only thing we had really decided on was January, February, but we decided to go to Nevada to try to find warmer weather. And so in the month of March, roughly, we spent that time in Pahrump, Nevada. It just sounds so good to say Pahrump, 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 Pahrump. But uh, it is a very interesting and unique place. It's not far from Death Valley National Park, so we were able to visit there. 
It is also near Area 51. It's about an hour-ish hour west of Las Vegas. The temperatures were warmer, and uh, it's a neat, neat space to go to. You know, Pahrump is a town, though, the way I describe it. Pahrump is the place that I think people that don't want to be found go there. It is a very off-the-beaten-path uh, again, near Area 51, Death Valley, kind of a drier climate, but it was warmer. We enjoyed it there. We had a good time in Pahrump there. I got it. I was able to say it again. We were continuing looking for warmer weather, so we headed south to Southern California and spent some time in the desert, desert, desert of Southern California near the Salton Sea. And, and I, you know, I, I can usually find places find something that I enjoy about most places, but I could tell you that Gloria and I, there's, that's probably a place that unless we get divine inspiration or we really need to go there, we will probably not go back down to that area near the Salton Sea. It is the biggest body of water in California, but it's kind of a dead body of water. Everything kind of drains there from California. There's nothing green, and it was warmer. In fact, it got very hot, but that is where we actually had a bit of an epiphany related to our RV travel. We had booked the entire month of April, and we had some business. Gloria had to travel up to the Bay Area for, for some of her business. And I had a conference to attend and help a client with in Atlanta. So we drove over to San Diego and we flew out. And then we got back in and we were just laying in bed one night. It was pretty hot. Our air conditioners were running constantly. And we just kind of said to ourselves, we're not enjoying this. There's a term we use, does this area nourish our soul? Is it nourishing to our soul, our spirit, soul, and body? And, and, and we just said it doesn't. And we came to the realization we live on wheels. We can actually leave, you know, if, if you've got a home and I know a lot of people listening, you know, you live in a home and that's not an option. Of course, you could jump in your car, or your plane and go visit somewhere. But when you live on wheels, really all you have to do is unhook, unhook a few things. If you're in an RV park and let the slides in for us and start the engine up and go down the road. So we went about an hour north to the Palm Springs area that we had never spent much time in. And we spent a week or a week and a half. Uh, and, and again, it was kind of this thing that we just came to the realization, you know what, we don't have to stay somewhere. We live on wheels. So we went up and visited the Palm Springs area. And then after that, we actually just buzzed through Central California, heading north to get to Oregon. We've always wanted to visit Oregon and we had made some plans ahead finally. And in around April, we said, okay, where do we really want to go? And we started considering Oregon and we decided to move on through California, made a few stops along the way at some wineries and visited some things, but just short overnight stops. And we ended up in the little town of Grants Pass, Oregon, on the Rogue River there. We pulled our RV Theo up right to the river, and we had views of the Rogue River during the month of May. It was warming up there, and it was beautiful. It nourished our soul. It's a cool little small town. They had some great little local restaurants because we stay in places usually more than a week or so. We're able to visit some places where the locals go and 
and at times we're able to visit churches and just meet some people. And we enjoyed the town of Grants Pass so much so that we made arrangements to circle back there in September. But our plans were during the summer, we wanted to go up to the Columbia River just north of Portland. And we did that in early June. And we enjoyed that. I, our RV was parked on the, on the hill looking down at the, at the Columbia River. And it was just over the, over the line in, in Washington State. And I was, it was so cool. I would be doing my work at my computer in the front passenger seat of the RV. And a large ship would go down the Columbia River. And it, it was just, it was exciting to me. I would pull my camera out, pull my phone out and take pictures every time. And uh, we, we really enjoyed that area. And then we did something that I, I'm just going to encourage everyone to do at some point in your life, and that is spend time on the Oregon coast. We had difficulties booking some RV parks there because we waited pretty late. There are people that book those sometimes a year in advance. But we were able to go to places like Newport and Cannon Beach and Winchester Bay. And we were able to, this was just such a blessing, we were able to stay for the entire month on Coos Bay. We were about 20 feet from the bay, pulled up with our RV in a very nice RV park there. And we just had a great time along the Oregon coast. It was a little bit different for us. Gloria and I grew up in the south. We grew up in the Atlanta area. And so the beaches that we were used to were, um, you know, St. Simon's Island, Jekyll Island, the beaches of Florida, the beaches of the panhandle of Florida. And if you go to the beach there in May, June, July, August, September, it's very warm. In fact, it can be extremely hot. And, you know, you're wearing a pair of shorts or swim trunks and flip-flops, and that's about it. And for those of you that have been in those environments and have enjoyed those beaches, let me just tell you that the Oregon coast is not that way. In fact, Gloria and I still remember we were in Newport, Oregon, which is a beautiful, beautiful place. There was a great resort there, and we had a lighthouse that was off in the distance, and we walked down to the beach area on July 4th, and when we got down to the beach, there was no one on the beach, not a soul. We couldn't see anyone all the way up, all the way down, and anyone that's from the eastern portion of the United States know that on July 4th, every beach is packed, people are everywhere, bodies everywhere, we didn't see anyone, and the second thing that was kind of interesting for us was that uh, Glory had on a pair of, I guess, kind of uh, leggings or tights that went down to about her ankles. I was wearing shorts, but I had on a pullover sweatshirt, and we were kind of wrapped up and bundled. We even carried a blanket with us with, with our wine and cheese and all that we went down and enjoyed on the beach. That was very different for, for us because we're used to, when we're at the beach, we're hot. And we're sweating. So that was very cool. But listen, the, the Oregon coast is phenomenal. And we just, it's stunning. There's so many places that the beaches are beautiful. And then all of a sudden you'll be going along a road and they'll have a state park that goes, you know, 500 to 1,000 feet above the beach. So you're way up on these pinnacles and, and, and sort of mountains looking back down on the rocky 
beach beach coast and anyway it's just stunning we loved the Oregon coast so and then in May we did circle back and we went to Grants Pass in Oregon went back to the Rogue River there we stayed there we enjoyed there and then finally we wrapped up the year we went up to Bend Oregon a place we've always wanted to spend some time and from October until late December we stayed in the Bend area and we just had a good spot there we were able to get some of our work done and visit the town and restaurants and some friends, some people that we had gone to Bible school with, and it was just a great time. So that's really our itinerary. Uh, we've had some questions that people have asked that I, 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 I guess I want to address here. People have asked us, how do we handle holidays? And I'll tell you that we spent our holidays, I just mentioned July 4th, and uh, it was just Glory and I, we enjoyed ourselves. But uh, when we got to Bend, by that time, our son, uh, Joshua JK, who's the producer engineer of this podcast, by the way, he had actually acquired his own RV, a smaller one, a, a Class C that's about 25 feet. We joke with it. His name's Barnabas, and, and uh, Barnabas is like a studio apartment on wheels. Uh, he had gotten his RV and done some travel, and he met us in Bend, so we spent some time there. And then our our daughter and her husband, we had found out they were expecting by then, and we just made a decision that in October that we would all connect in Bend. So they flew to Bend, and we met up and spent some time together, and it was awesome. It was great. We enjoyed that. But by the time Christmas rolled along, they were doing some things with family, and we had Joshua that was with us, and we actually just went out to dinner and spent time for both Thanksgiving and Christmas in Bend. Now, we enjoyed FaceTime and connecting with, with family and connecting with with people, but anyway, that, that was, I guess, one of the things we're finding is that we're in many ways enjoying doing things in a bit of a non-traditional way. Listen, we grew up doing things the same way most of our lives, and that's that's great. That's cool. I'm not saying that's bad, but we're just enjoying kind of stretching ourselves and doing things a little bit a little bit different. And one of the things that Gloria, my wife, said, she says, you know, for Thanksgiving, I am not going to cook the big massive meal that y'all are going to sit down to, and then we're going to pig out and eat too much and then feel miserable. And she said, we're going to go out to eat. And as the person in charge of cleanup, I was excited about that. So anyway, as far as how we deal with holidays and family, you know, we communicate with them regularly. Uh, I'm in my mid-50s, but usually every Sunday, I'll early morning do a FaceTime with my mother. And and so that's like how we connect. And, and we're just doing some different things related to the holidays and and, and we're enjoying it. We're enjoying it. And we have found that it's just easy to jump on a plane and meet somewhere different and do something unique that we've never done before. So right now we're enjoying doing it that way. And, uh, and I, I think that's interesting and neat. So we're, we, we're loving that. A few other things that have been asked that I wanted to cover in this kind of overview of 12 months of living in an RV are kind of the best things about this lifestyle that we've learned in 12 months of doing it and maybe some of the not so good things and you know some of the some of the things are just a matter of perspective but let me just kind of give you what I think are the not so good first and then I'll kind of hit some of the best things and then we'll kind of wrap up this with kind of how much does it really cost 
And so some of the not so good things, you know, and these maybe could be good and bad. One of the things we realized was that it's a bit fatiguing when you don't really know where you're going to be going. And we kind of had that in March, I guess about March or April. We didn't really have the rest of our year planned out. And we started realizing that if we wanted to get up to the Oregon coast, that some of those RV parks were booked. And it's just a term that we call decision fatigue and maybe just not knowing. We like to plan. I know many people like to be spontaneous and just wake up and go. I wish I was more that way. I'm kind of trying to be just to stretch myself a little bit, but I'm I'm still not, I'm just not currently there and Glory's not really there either. Plus, because we work, we need to be where we can get to some electricity and some some internet. And so we decided that we were just going to sit down and plan out the year. So we have rough plans in place and we're about to be doing that again for this year. We don't really have anything planned beyond April. Someone just asked us to to come watch their home for them down in Florida in uh, in the summer, which we're excited about getting to some warmth. But uh, decision fatigue is something that's not so good for us. Some of you may love that. You might be excited about that. So it is, it kind of depends on personality style. I'll tell you something else that's that can be a challenge, and that is the weather. I, I believe that when you live outside of what's termed a sticks and bricks, you know, a traditional home, the weather can have more impact. And it, we were we were chillier at times than I thought we would be. You know, we had lived in the mountains for a few years, so I was not afraid of being, um, you know, cold or anything, but it is different in an RV. You know, you need propane to keep the heat going if it drops below, the, you know, the 40s and and, and, of course, if it starts getting below freezing, you've got water and, you know, your sewer and those things that you have to deal with. And so, you know, the weather could be an, an issue for you, both cold and hot. You know, it could be extremely hot and that could be uncomfortable also. And, you know, there's kind of a joke or a little saying, I guess, in RV community is like 55, 75. And that's 55 degrees to 75 degrees is perfect. You don't have to run any heat. You may not need a lot of electricity. You, you don't have to run your air conditioning. And it is just a sweet spot. And when we've been in those areas, we have really enjoyed it. You open up the windows and it is very nice. So weather has been something that we have had to deal with and that's been that's been fun and not fun at the same time another thing that's not so good is just there's some things that you have to just repair and when i get to budget i might even mention it part of our one of our biggest expenses in 2019 was mobile rv repair i'm a little bit i don't really consider myself much of a handyman glory and i are pretty good at figuring things out and so we would jump on YouTube and jump online and try to figure some of the things out that would uh, that would kind of go bad or go wrong or freeze or not work or we didn't understand it. And so and so that's something that we that we really learned about was just repair stuff. And it was a big cost for us. And you know we're thankful that we had the financial resources to, you know, when it got a little bit 
challenging to pay to pay a guy to come out, a local RV repair guy to, to fix the steps that aren't going in and out. The motor went bad. And you know, when it's about a two foot hop or about a two and a half foot hop from your RV down to the ground, it's good to have those steps that kind of go out automatically. So repair stuff is something. And then my biggest thing, I have missed having a dishwasher. Now, we don't have a dishwasher here. We actually don't have a washer and dryer either. I actually enjoy, I hate to say, going to a laundromat because I like to talk to people and it's a good way to get around people. And anyway, it's just kind of interesting and cool. But a dishwasher, you know, if you do a lot of cooking and eating, which we try to do as much as we can, and and I'm the one that late in the day, I'll just, you know, get the sink filled up and wash dishes. Now, I'll tell you on the flip side, is it is very rewarding to just kind of ha- at the end of your day, <laughs> I hate to say this, but it's a little bit therapeutic to wash dishes, have them dried, and be finished with that after the day is over, especially if you've you know, I'm a business coach. I work with a lot of clients. Sometimes I don't get to see some of the results of what I do. We're working on this podcast now. I'm writing a book that's been a long process. It's sometimes good just to have a mini task to do at the end of the day. But having said that, there are many times that I do wish I could just put some dishes in the dishwasher and get it washed. So those are some of the things, I guess, that are not so good. And and just a, a thing that's been a big challenge that we have always kind of dealt with is getting good high-speed internet and Wi-Fi so that we can do our video calls that we have to do for our work and we can record podcasts and interviews and and all of all of that has been important for us and and every time we get to a new spot or we're on the road traveling getting internet has been something that's been a little bit of a challenge so here's some of the best things though these are the things that we think are really really cool and i'll kind of wrap up with these and then talk about a little bit of the budget best thing is flexibility we are currently because as at the time of recording this we have just had our first grandchild or granddaughter born we are in colorado springs and my wife and i are just so thankful that we have the flexibility we have our home with us. We have all of our stuff, I guess, which we don't have a lot of stuff, but it's here with us, and we have the flexibility to just come park here for a few months, be with our daughter and our son, son-in-law, and and our brand-new granddaughter, which is so exciting and life-changing, and we can just be here for a few months. Flexibility is incredible. And like I, I shared earlier, you know, we're, we're laying in bed, temperatures are a little hot, And when we were down in Southern California, we just realized, wait, why are we staying here? We could just start the engine up and drive to somewhere else. Flexibility has been awesome. And we're really just now learning how flexible we really are. It's another thing that it's just really neat to see cool and unique things while not being a tourist. I'm sure many people, you vacation, you go somewhere for a week, you feel like you need to check all these things off your list, or you go just for a long weekend, you want to go to this restaurant, you want to see this, you need to see the tourist sites, and you feel like a tourist. And truthfully for us, that is very fatiguing. We get very tired with that. We enjoy going somewhere like a Grants Pass, Oregon, or the coast of Oregon, or Bend, or even Virgin, Utah, like we did, 
and just staying there for a month or possibly longer, going to some of the local restaurants, getting our work done, and then going out on the weekend and just visiting the national parks that are near there or state parks or some local sites. And it's just nice not being a tourist and experiencing some of the local life and just doing some different things. Those are some of the best things that we have just really enjoyed about this lifestyle. And just really the thing that we found that's very exciting is just it's a simple life. It's just simpler than when we used to live in big house and things like that. And we may do that again. We're not against that. It's just we have found that in the evenings when we finish with our work, there's not a lot of other things to do. We're not big TV watchers. And so um, we'll sit and we'll have some communication. We meet some people that, that are in the local parks and have them over for dinner or we'll go meet with them. Or, or it's just, uh, I don't know, in, in the world that we're in today, I think it takes effort to live simple. And this to us is much simpler than we used to live. And we're enjoying that. So those are some of the best things. So, all right, as I wrap up here, I do want to talk about how much does it really cost? And I do want to say before I do this, I've got the list in front of me in my spreadsheet. If you want to get a PDF of this spreadsheet of the cost, you're considering doing this yourself or you are wanting to know what this cost I would say just we actually, if you send us an email, connect, that's connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, at seekgocreate.com, connect at seekgocreate.com, then I will actually have my assistant just respond to you with the PDF of this. Uh, it's nothing proprietary or anything like that. It's just what we spent in 2019 related to RVing. Now, I will tell you that we didn't include food and things like that and some of our business expenses because we would have had those whether we lived in a house or we were living in a rental or, or whatever. So I didn't include all that. I included the things that I believe are primarily RV-related. And I also want to preface this. I'm about to give you the total dollar amount. I want to preface it in saying that Glory and I, we were really blessed financially over the last few years, even, even coming out of the challenges that we had in, in 08, 9, 10, 11. So we weren't really trying to be extremely budget conscious. There were some things that we really wanted to do, like spend the, coast, spend the summer on the coast of Oregon. And I could tell you that those RV parks were expensive, very expensive. And uh, that's reflected in some of our costs. So anyway, drum roll. Brrr, here's our total cost for our RV life, including gas, repairs, maintenance, RV parks, utilities, all those type things, uh, supplies. It was a little bit over $25,000, $25,541.18 to be exact. And I know that some of you are listening to this, you're going, wow, that seems like a lot. And some of you are going, wow, that's not too bad. And, you know, it just depends on your perspective. I'll tell you again, we did not try to live extremely budget conscious. We, we could have gone to more places that we could have done more what you call boondocking, where... You know, we didn't have to spend a nightly fee to plug in or hook up and, 
and, you know, have our RV. But because we were working, because we needed electricity, because we were getting used to this lifestyle, we wanted to make sure we had all of those hooked up. So a couple of high points of the budget. I'm not going to go through all of it. But um, we did have some of our higher cost. In fact, our highest budget item was RV park fees. And that was a little over $14,000, which that's more than a lot of people. If you're living, you know, a, a budget type lifestyle, that's more than you spend for rent or house payments. You would be correct. And uh, but we we again, we that was a decision that we made. And and that came out to a little over $40 per night or $1,168 per month is what that came out. Now, one of the things we're talking about experimenting with in the near future is seeing if we could bring that way down by staying in um, in BLM, uh, Bureau of Land Management land, which is basically free. You can stay there. That's government land or some national parks. We've got a park pass. You can do that. Or we can stay in places that allow you to stay for a lower cost or no cost. So we're going to experiment with that to see if that is something we do. So in the future, I may give a report on that. And the second biggest cost that we had was what I mentioned earlier, which is RV repairs and maintenance. We have a 2006 RV. And so we spent a little less than $5,000 on just repairs, replacing a water pump, something froze up. Like I said, the motor for our steps that go in and out. And, uh, and that was just, those were some costs that we spent. A lot of it, I had to do some work. And I just decided that instead of me trying to take a day or so to figure out what to do, that I might have been able to do myself and save some money, I paid a local repair guy, an RV repair guy, to come out and fix that. So we could have lowered that, I'm sure. And then the other thing people always want to know, okay, so how much was gas? What's your gas mileage? First of all, if you're driving a 39-foot vehicle and you ask about gas mileage, that may not be the right question to ask. But we spent, as best I can tell, I hope I tracked all this correctly, around $2,294.80 on fuel. That's not diesel. We have a gas engine for those 8,500 miles that we drove in 2019. So those are our total costs. And again, if you want to get the exact budget, because I've got how much we spent on propane, electrical, even what I was able to calculate for laundry and supplies, registration, insurance, those type things, then you can send an email to connect at seekgocreate.com, connect at seekgocreate.com, and we'll just reply with just a, a small PDF with that budget. So I, I hope this has been helpful to you. I will tell you that we have really enjoyed these this time in the RV. We're going to continue doing it. And again, we may not do this forever, but right now we are. And I will continue giving you reports on on what we're doing, how it's going, the things we're liking, the things we're not liking. And I'm just hopeful that it will that it'll be a blessing to you and that it'll help you out and help you if you're ever deciding to do this yourself. And, and hopefully this type episode will be good for that. Well, I thank you for listening to this episode. As, as I mentioned when we started, we were hopeful that this could be a little bit of a shorter SGC Extra, we're calling it. And, and again, 
what I ask all of you to do, it's just been so helpful, is to continue sharing this. Go to the podcast platform that you that you listen to. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, I know they've got places for reviews. Please do that and just share this. Share this on your social media channels, your email, and, and just get the word out. We appreciate it greatly. I thank you for listening, and I look forward to speaking to you again on the Seek Go Create podcast. <laughs>